Hi, my name is Julia Sosie, this week's host of Woke Settler Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about why Indigenous people cannot just, quote-unquote, just get over it. Why don't you people just get over it? Why don't you people just get over it? Why don't you people just get over it? This is a very common phrase a lot of Canadians use when talking about Indigenous people. However, many Canadians also lack the knowledge and understanding of what Indigenous people have gone through and continue to go through every single day. A lot of the time, Canadians don't actually know what they need to get over. So allow me to catch people up to speed on some of the brutal past of Indigenous people in Canada. Let's begin with residential schools. Residential schools were designed in the early 1880s, their purpose to kill the Indian and the child. The goal was to assimilate the Indigenous culture. Children were taken away from their homes as young as four and five. They stayed in these schools day in, day out. They were not to speak their language and they were not to practice anything of their culture. Children were beaten, sexually assaulted, and killed by the hands of these schools. Overall, children were treated like dirt. The last school closed in 1996. Now this is less than 25 years ago, and I think we need to bring that up and remind ourselves of that. This did not happen hundreds of years ago, this happened extremely recently. I'm going to play an interview from a residential school survivor. I think it's extremely important to hear from someone that's actually been affected by residential schools. The interview is put on by Globe and Mail, and the survivor's name is not disclosed. The residential school system uh, took away my, lang- my language, my culture, and, and uh, my identity. I'm a residential school survivor from the Cree community of Moose Factory, Ontario. My mom and dad were hunters and trappers, and we survived off the, survived off the land. Cree was spoken around the house, was pretty much it. And uh, I went to residential school. I went to residential school when I was seven years old. The Department of Indian Affairs had a policy, and every uh, child had to attend uh, residential school. So my parents uh, would go to jail if I didn't go to if I didn't go to uh, if I didn't go to school. And I attended Bishop uh, Horton Hall Indian Residential School, and I also went to uh, Chinwak Hall Residential School in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Residential school survivors were uh, harshly disciplined. Uh, what happened to me was uh, I uh, was physically abused by a supervisor. We were told uh, not to not to pass food around in the dining room to other students. And I got caught passing a slice of bread, and uh, I was uh, severely punished by by the supervisor. I don't think all the survivors, all the supervisors, our staff, teachers were were bad. Uh, this was a barbecue. They were having a barbecue for, for the for these are. This is my hockey team. That was when we won the championship uh, in the winter of 1963. So they treated us with uh, hot dogs and hamburgers and uh, marshmallows, and uh, we had a great time. I became became an alcoholic around 20 <clears throat> around 20 years of age. Yeah. 
many survivors uh, use alcohol or native people use alcohol or substances as a coping mechanism um, to block your emotions and feelings. People are left with uh, uh, a sense of belonging. You want <coughs> you want to find your uh, you want to find your sense of belonging and uh, identity. First, I um, had to sober up. I been sober for 25 years, so I went, ba I went back to my traditions, my culture, and uh, that's where I found my identity. Well, um, I think uh, the uh, non-Indigenous people or Canadians uh, need to become need to become allies, settler allies with uh, First Nations, Indigenous people, and then and learn about the history of uh, the true history of Canada. I hope that that interview made it very obvious the pain that came from residential schools. The next thing I want to talk about in Canada's history is the 60s scoop. This took place in the 1960s. When residential school survivors began having children, they were seen as unfit parents. Now mentioned in the interview, a lot of the survivors turned to drugs and alcohol to help deal with all that trauma. So because of this, the government would come in and they would take the children and they would advertise them in magazines and newspapers. They would advertise them more as pets and not as much as adopting a daughter or a son. This is another example of the government coming in and taking and putting strain on a relationship instead of helping heal all of the people. The last thing I want to touch on before this little history session is over is the Indian Act. So the Indian Act came out in the 1870s. And even though many things have been altered, it does still remain to this day. There are very specific rules that Indigenous people need to follow. I cannot get into every single rule because I don't have time for that. However, I want to play another interview. This interview is with Patrick Brazel. He's going to explain the Indian Act and how it has affected him again directly. It's best to hear about these things firsthand. I'm Patrick Brazel, and I'm National Chief of the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples or CAP, as we're commonly known. First Nations people in Canada have been living under the auspices of the Indian Act for more than 130 years. This outdated, paternalistic, and colonial piece of legislation is what gives Indian Affairs and First Nations chiefs and band councils the power and control over First Nations peoples. The Indian Act is what has separated, divided, and has given different labels to the Aboriginal peoples of this country. The Indian Act gives the federal government the power to decide who is a status or treaty Indian and who is not. It is this legislation that has created over 600 reserve communities across our country. Prior to the imposition of the Indian Act, we were sustainable and prosperous nations. We had access to natural resources and we had well-developed economies. Since 1876, the imposition of the Indian Act changed all of this and our fate. It's divided and fragmented our communities from what was approximately 60 to 80 true historical First Nations to now just over 600 reserve communities. Today, many of these reserve communities still call themselves First Nations, 
but in fact, they're just portions of the true historical First Nations. These true historical First Nations include the Mi'kmaq, Maliseet, Passamaquoddy, Algonquin, Cree, Mohawk, Ojibwe, Salto, and Haida nations, to name a few. I believe it's time that we eliminate the Indian Act. Instead, I'm calling for the development of legislation that would recognize our true historical First Nations, as was recommended by Canada's Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples over a decade ago. I'm a member of the Kitigan-Zibi Reserve, but more importantly, I'm a proud citizen of the Algonquin Nation. In Quebec and Ontario, there are nine recognized Algonquin Reserves that were created because of the Indian Act. Isn't it time we look towards amalgamating these communities and reconstitute the Algonquin Nation? It would be a return to the way it was prior to the imposition of the Indian Act. We'd have our own constitution and laws, accountable leadership, well-defined areas of jurisdiction, conflict of interest rules, application of human rights laws, and control over our own destiny. And we would decide who has the rightful entitlement to citizenship within our nations. What could be better than that? Isn't it time that every First Nation citizen in Canada be given the right to choose what future they want for themselves and their children? This is what the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples believes in, a process which would entitle every First Nation citizen to cast a free vote in a referendum on the issue of eliminating the Indian Act. This would give you and I, the grassroots people of this great country, the option of determining our future in a democratic process rooted in openness, fairness, accountability, and transparency. Many people mistakenly view the Indian Act as a means of protecting Aboriginal rights. Well, this is both a myth and unfortunately a fear-mongering tactic used by some. The truth is the Indian Act is impeding the great progress we can achieve as First Nations peoples. Let's not forget what the Indian Act sought to do. It was meant to, and I quote, assimilate and get rid of the Indian problem. Assimilate and get rid of the Indian problem. Is this the legacy we want to leave our children and grandchildren? As you can tell by the interview, Patrick is very passionate about this and explains the whole thing very well. As he mentions in the interview, the goal of the Indian Act was to take care of the Indian problem. Now that we've talked a little bit about the brutal past of Indigenous people in Canada, it's time for the million dollar question. Why can Indigenous people not just get over it? It's in the past, right? Move forward. Well, wrong. The main reason why Indigenous people cannot just get over it is because the struggles have not stopped. Indigenous people still struggle to this day with discrimination, racism, poverty, access to good homes, water and affordable food, and so much more. Pretty much everything under the sun. They also struggle because they're not trying to point the finger at Canadians. They know that they can't change history. That's not what they want. What they want is to educate Canadians about Indigenous past. They want to end the hatred, end the stereotypes, the suicidal teens, the racism, and the discrimination. Indigenous people want to move past this. They want to end this chapter of Canadian history. But they cannot. They cannot do that without me and you. We learn and discuss history in schools to hopefully learn from it and not make those same mistakes again. So why is there an exception here? 
25% of Indigenous children live in poverty. Indigenous youth have the highest suicide rates. Indigenous people have the highest unemployment rates in Canada. These issues did not happen years and years ago. They're happening today. They're happening as you're listening to this podcast right now. It's not about getting over it. It's about moving past it. We have to move past it together. We have to work together. And to do that, we need to educate ourselves and get rid of all of this happening. It's important to remind ourselves and learn that even if someone has never stepped foot in a residential school, they can still feel all of the emotions and all of the trauma from that. And that's because of intergenerational trauma. Trauma can affect every single generation if it's not dealt with properly. Because of intergenerational trauma, so many people have been affected by residential schools or the 60s scoop or the Indian Act. It's also important that we look at the big picture. The goal of the residential schools and the 60s group and the Indian Act was all to get rid of indigenous people. The goal was to assimilate the indigenous culture. Before I submit my ideas and I end this podcast, I want to talk about trauma and how it actually works and some misconceptions about it. Here are three points from awakamindandbody.com. For starters, trauma does not have to be a big crazy event. Sometimes, when people think of trauma, they assume it has to be some major thing that happens to them, which is not true. It can be very small. The second point is everyone deals with trauma differently. There is no right or wrong way to deal with trauma. The final part is that trauma is not a life sentence. It is not impossible to get over trauma, and good can actually come from it. I really hope that this episode of the Woke Settler podcast helped Canadians understand why just get over it is not an option for indigenous communities the big thing to take away from this problem is that it's not over there is these issues are still so relevant remember it's not about getting over it's about moving forward together as a country indigenous canadians want to educate the rest of canada about their brutal past so the next time you hear someone say indigenous people need to just get over it i encourage you to explain to them why just get over it is just not an option Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I'm Julia Sossier, and this was Why Just Get Over It Is Not an Option for Indigenous People. Thank you.